He's kind of like the Joe Rogan of the hospitality industry right now. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The behavioral profiling component just helps us understand not only if somebody can do the job, but whether they're going to be able to do it for a long duration of time. They're designed for that particular position. And before I did behavioral profiling years ago, I would get upset at an employee because they weren't doing something a certain way. Well, the, real, the reality is they probably didn't have the right personality traits for that particular job. It wasn't that they were a bad employee, they just were in the wrong seat. Welcome to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast where we discuss all things hospitality, hotels, and business. You can find us online at slicktalkthepodcast.com and on every podcast listening platform. As I've been growing my business and finding new ways to add to my property portfolio, I have to think about how I can anticipate the homeowner's needs, just like I do for my guests. One of the things owners always ask is, how is my property going to be protected? What happens if something gets damaged or worse? These are valid questions and concerns, and I have an opportunity to address these concerns before they even get mentioned, all thanks to having Safely as part of my toolkit. I can ensure all stakeholders are covered during a guest stay and use this information as a way to grow my business by ensuring my property owners know they can trust that I have them covered. If you're a professional property manager, then you need to get safely in your tool belt so you can focus on operating and growing your business. Thanks for listening to Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast. Now, back to an episode. All right, everybody, we are back, and guess what? This podcast is in person. You can't see it, but I'm actually able to record episodes with guests in the flesh uh, for the first time at the VRMA conference. I'm really excited. Uh, I'm talking with Steve Trover. So, uh, Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for you for opening up your hospitality suite for me to be here to, to do this. this sure thing. Well, I appreciate uh, you having me on. Of course. <laughs> well, um, you have an extensive background. We've talked uh, prior to the recording, um, but I just want to know, where does it all begin? How did you even get into hospitality, vacation rentals? Uh, where's the origin, and what kind of like led you to, to doing what you're doing today? Get into it. Yeah, yeah. so um, like a lot of people, I'm a serial entrepreneur, so I yep. started the business uh, early on, and uh, about 17 was my first business. I was in the car business, and I was in clothing, and tried a number of different things um, as a young guy, and then... Um, my mother was selling real estate in the Central Florida market, um, and she was referring buyers that would come in and buy vacation rentals or want to buy a vacation rental to management companies. And um, unfortunately, the management companies weren't doing the best job for the owners, so they would come back and say, hey, that we love the house, the sale was great, but that management company just didn't work out, and so she would try to find one um, and just couldn't. And so, you know, me being an entrepreneur, I thought, oh, how hard can that be? Well, 25 years later, I can tell you it's pretty hard. So, so that's kind of what the, got me into the business and uh, started a little business in Orlando with $1,000 of startup capital uh, just to get rolling and, and, uh, 
and scaled it over a number of years. So, so were, were, you, uh, were you cleaning homes in the beginning? Yeah, I mean, I did clean some homes. Yeah, definitely. I remember that well um, and uh, did pretty much everything. But I actually started um, uh, by just marketing homes for other management companies. So I managed a couple of homes right out of the gates and did some cleaning and everything else um, and then thought, you know what, I really like the marketing side of the business, so that's where I focused and uh, started marketing all over the state of Florida, actually, way back in, this is 97, 98, you know, so a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the companies I was marketing for didn't have websites, just yeah. to give you an example <laughs> how long ago. <laughs> That's really cool. Uh, well, what got you out? So did you sell that business and what what was the next adventure from, from there? Yeah, so I had that business for 20 years. Okay. So oh, and wow. during that 20, year, uh, 20 years, uh, launched a number of other businesses, ancillary businesses. So we had a real estate company. We had obviously the management company. Yeah. Um, we had a home furnishings company, so an interior design company, and we furnished every property that we brought they, on. They all probably fed each other very good business. Really, yeah, very yeah. vertically integrated, right? Yeah. And um, and then we launched a development company, and we would design and develop what we called purpose-built vacation homes, and I held that trademark for a lot of years. And so we had architects on staff, draftsmen, and we would design the house, build the house, furnish the house, and manage the house. So it was wow. a whole vertically integrated and uh, purpose-built, uh, the intent was ultimately to um, take that across the country. Um, I kind of ran out of gas at a certain point and uh, ended up selling uh, that group of companies uh, about five years ago now. Okay. And started, and like a lot of people, when they sell, they go into consulting, and yeah. that's what I did. And and so one of the first things that happened, uh, or what I, I was asked for as a consultant, was to recruit. And so I was not a recruiter. Yeah. Uh, I didn't really like recruiters, quite frankly. Um and that's, anyway, yeah, but I but I felt the need and, and wanted to help people uh, any way I could, and that's what led me to what I'm doing today. Awesome. And so, when you're running all these businesses, you and I both know, like even in today's world, um, staffing is not easy. Was this always an issue that you were seeing when because better talents? Can you describe like what this uh, company does, what you guys are doing now? Um, and when did you start it exactly? Is it just been throughout the consulting or just? Uh... Yeah, so um, I, to answer the first question, um, absolutely, there were, uh, it's always been an issue. Yeah. Um, and I had 100 employees, and the hardest thing I did was not the tech side of the business or the product side. It was the people. Okay. Um, and this business, the vacation rental business specifically, or short-term rentals, it, it's all about people, mm-hmm. right? And I know there's a lot of technology platforms here, and I, you know, I was I developed the PMS myself, and and so I know what that's all about and how important that is, and all the cool new tech that's coming out to help, you know, automate certain components. But at the end of the day, clean uh, toilets don't clean themselves, yeah. and you know, there's a lot of this that has to be done by people, and yeah. so, and you know. Unlike technology, you know, people, you know, get tired, they get sick, they get hungover, they, you know, whatever. And, and so it's challenging. Um, and so that's that's what led me into this. I also um, learned a lot in hiring those 100 employees and obviously the turnover involved in that and whatnot on what to do from a hiring perspective, but also um, using behavioral profiling. So that okay. was a big part of what we do. And, and so that's what we do in Better Talent today. Um, to answer the question about Better Talent, um, so I was, I was consulting for a number of, of companies across the space and doing recruiting for some of those. 
And we were also doing the behavioral profiling. So um, I'm a predictive index partner. I'm a a talent optimization certified. And so uh, we were doing that. But what we were realizing is the companies we were doing it with, a lot of them weren't necessarily using our platform Mm -hmm. the right way from a hiring perspective because they're busy, right? I mean, you know, to their credit, they're doing all these other things that you got to do to run a short-term mental business. And even though we were training them on it, it's just, it's hard because they're not hiring all the time. You're hiring some of the time. And so we realized that they really needed us to do it for them. And so that's what was the, you know, kind of what we decided to launch Better Talent around. It launched uh, about 15 months ago. Okay. um, Because I've seen you around and we talked about like, you know, I've seen you with the um, Eric Moeller, uh, the Legends guys, a few others have um, been brought out through, you know, LinkedIn obviously is a big popular platform. Um, so I'm kind of curious on the profiling side of things, a lot of people hire to fill in a role. Mm-hmm. But what's, why, why do you think we rush that process so much uh, when it goes into, you know, turnover and not, people not being a good fit for the company? The biggest problem I see in companies today, it's not just short-term rental companies, it's yeah. pretty much all businesses, but is they hire fast and fire slow mm-hmm. um, instead of what they say, you know, yeah. you know, hire slow, fire fast. I don't, we don't say we'll hire slow because we're very aggressive about what we do from an outsour- or a sourcing perspective and applicant flow and all that, but at the same time, we advise our clients to, you know, wait till we get the right person because mm-hmm. everybody waits a little too long and they're under pressure yeah. and you know it's season's coming or we're in the middle of season and so and so quit and they just you know we call it you know if you can fog a mirror we'll hire you right um and i yeah, literally it's, it's like that sometimes and obviously that does not work out well and causes all sorts of problems so the behavioral profiling component just helps us understand not only if somebody can do the job but whether they're going to be able to do it for a long duration of time because yeah. they're designed for that particular position and before I did behavioral profiling years ago, I would get upset at an employee because they weren't doing something a certain way. Well, the, real, the reality is they probably didn't have the right personality traits for that particular job. It wasn't that they were a bad employee. They just yeah. were in the wrong seat. And so that's why we leverage behavioral science. Um, we use uh, both behavioral profiling as well as cognitive testing to help us understand people data yeah. so that we can make good hiring decisions and help facilitate good hiring decisions for our clients. Uh, that's Really, it, like, I, I kind of mentioned this conversation a couple times throughout the podcast, but I was, I was talking to a friend in London who, you know, he's talking about things that give him energy, right? And so do you think sometimes it's maybe not, is it not just a personality thing, but could it be just certain tasks of a role that don't give people energy that makes them a good fit? So it's just like a portion of their work. Uh, I'm just kind of curious because I, I felt that like, I was like, you know, I love the podcast. Let's say that I'll just use it for example, but editing does not give me energy it drains my energy right i don't want to be an editor right. for you know 40 hours a week i want to i want to just produce and 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 post you know like do all that stuff well and we're going to look at your behavioral profile <laughs> and, we'll, and i'll tell you why but um okay. uh, more than likely you are what we would call a low d i am too okay. I, I, editing would drive me nuts <laughs> um and that takes a certain type of person who has very uh, high attention to detail they like methodical repetitive tasks because that's okay. what that is and you know that's not us, not uh, either one of us, frankly. Yeah. So um, that doesn't mean you're, you're not a great podcaster, but yeah. you do the important part of it, and you got the very important part of editing is critical for a good podcast. But yeah. You're going to need somebody that has the right profile eventually to do that for you. Um, now, even though we have um, certain behavioral traits, we have learned behavior. So inherently, we're good at certain things because of our construct. However, 
over time, we, we you know, you edit, you do yeah, it, yeah, right? you get yeah. it done, you well, just I, don't enjoy I, it. I have. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm sure you do a great job at it because you power through, but it'd be better if, if somebody was doing it that has that Definitely. profile. So to answer the question about, you know, certain jobs or certain parts of a job, that's exactly it. So there's, you know, if you were a director of marketing or a general manager um, and you have a certain behavioral profile, that's really great, but some of the job description is repetitive and, and you're not a you know a methodical yeah. person and then that that becomes a drain for sure okay that makes sense and i've seen more and more recently that the vacation rental or even hospitality in itself world um you have pretty much two businesses you have uh, on the ground operations so the turnover the you know placing of amenities the property care then you have the distribution the marketing the content like you know how the listings are built how the they're photographed mm-hmm. um, the experiences all that stuff um, does that play a role in anything with hiring like when it comes to operations on the ground with the building itself versus you know the, the virtual side yeah and we've and you know thankfully you know some of the good things that came out of covid not a lot but um some, some have, and one of them is that people are much more open to remote work, um, and, you know, technology is, is increasing to help facilitate that pretty rapidly because of it. And so, to answer your question, you know, really the boots on the ground components of a short-term rental business is housekeeping, yeah. maintenance, some components of guest services, right? Everything else, accounting, reservations, marketing, all those things can be done remotely, and so... What it's done for us, for our clients, and for people in the space is all of a sudden that now they can get a higher quality of talent because they get a bigger applicant pool because they go remote. Yeah. So, if, uh, you know, some of our clients are in tight spots like Big Sky, Montana, or Hatteras Island, North Carolina, or Marathon Key, where there's just not a lot of people. We call them talent puddles instead of talent pools. <laughs> talent. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, and so... In that scenario, when we can't find a really great vacation rental marketer mm-hmm. in that talent puddle, we'll say, hey, we really need to make this a remote role. We'll fly them in every once in a while for meetings, that type of thing. And um, But it just opens up the entire country or the world um, to talent. So gotcha. it makes a lot of sense. So what are your thoughts? I know this is, uh, I think we had like a brief discussion on our pre-chat. Um, what are your thoughts on the labor short? Is it? You know, I I don't know, but is there a labor shortage or, or what's what, what do you think is going on right now with like from post COVID? Because uh, even as a vacational manager myself, like we're struggling to hire, and mm-hmm. I think we always have because housekeeping is not a fun job. It's not sexy. It's not. Uh, it's very labor intensive. Like you you go home sore sometimes. Yeah, from right. some some of these properties are huge or whatever that may be. So is a, a labor shortage or do you just think people are kind of done with this? low benefit, low pay type uh, type of job? I, I think the answer is yes, meaning it's a little of both. Yeah. Uh, not to not be direct about my answer, but I think there's a combination of things that are happening and you know, obviously they're you know, they extended the benefits yeah. for a long period of time, so that had a you know, a component to it. Uh, people are coming back to work but because they had time off and they had time to think about it and yeah. they thought, you know what, I don't really want to clean toilets anymore, that type of thing. So Housekeeping and maintenance and those types of things are definitely hard to fill positions. Um, but that said, you know, I, I think because it is a tight spot, it's a really critical time to be aggressive about how you source applicants. Yeah. So, 
you know, right now we don't have a product for housekeeping and maintenance. We do everything else, so yeah. every other position in the company. But what we do help our clients with is help them understand how to be aggressive in going after housekeepers and maintenance techs because that's a really critical component. And when we hire for the leaders of those roles, maintenance, housekeeping, yeah. whatever, looking for of, recruiters, yeah, right? Okay. Somebody that has a recruiting mentality because yeah. they're going to help them find that because um, that's what it's not just about managing and scheduling and all that. It's literally getting people um, and they've got to be aggressive. So, um, but it, you know, I think uh, we're going to see more and more people coming in back into the work and uh, world and, you know, the good news about people is we're still making babies, meaning there's still there's still more people coming into the workforce each day, uh, yeah. young people, and they all got to do something. And, and I think it's gonna it's gonna go back the other direction. I don't think this is gonna be for an extended term. period of time, but it's it's always gonna be tough in our space because we have hard work that needs to be done. Um, the margins are not super high, and so you can't pay what some of the larger companies can pay or different industries can pay for similar yeah. roles. And so that's that's the challenge. Um, we, we have seen an increase in pay, um, yeah. required pay to be able to get people. And so um, that gets passed on, like every other increase in cost and has to somehow. And so management companies really need to think about that and their fee structure today. Well, I was going to ask that. That's right to my next question, which is perfect, is what are vacation rental management companies doing in order to actually successfully do this? Like, to, are the, Benefits, pay, but then how are they changing their business model? Because I know, you know if you're making 20% commission off of a booking, mm-hmm. it's not, again, and you have a tech stack in between and OTA costs and whatever else. Like, it's not a lot of money. Uh, so I, I, yeah. I laugh because we, we had a damage waiver fee, and we, we had years where the damage waiver fee was our profit. I mean, we made a half million dollars a year on damage yeah. waiver, but um, <laughs> I, I, I did all these, like, 90,000 different things to get to – damage waiver fee but you know that that's how tough this business can be sometimes but um to answer the question i think that they're doing a number of different things getting more efficient in other areas okay. so that they can allocate that get, leveraging tech to be able to hire less people um that's that's one thing that we sure. see um obviously in my role uh, that's not necessarily a good thing but at the end of the day you know we're here to serve our clients the way they need to be served not not just hire people to hire people but um so I, I see that happening. They're definitely becoming more efficient. Um, most companies are a lot leaner than I operated uh, yeah. for that, you know. And then they're also looking for different revenue sources so that they can offset that as well. Yeah. Um, and a lot of companies are looking at it and going, "Hey, I probably can't manage certain properties because there's just not enough margin there." Yeah. You know, the lower tier properties. I always have my clients bench rank their properties top to bottom based on the margin they produce. And uh, when you look at the top property, and you compare that to the bottom, it takes about 15 or 20 in a 100-unit company to get to the top property. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I see it all the time. And so they're managing those properties almost really at a loss. Um, yeah. And they don't even realize it a lot of times. So um, so smart managers that see that, they're going, okay, we can't manage these 15 down here anymore. We're yeah. just going to have to let them go because then I can not have as many people, and, and it works that way. So. So a lot of, I call it pruning, a lot of pruning yeah. going on. Well, I was going to say, we, we actually just had that conversation. We have a property that we brought on, and we thought, you know, it's not our normal one, but it's in a good market, right? We want to be in that mm-hmm. market, so we, we, we took it. Uh, it's a lot more work, and it's the lowest producing one compared to everything else. And it's like, I literally told my business partner, I was like, we might need to cut this. I might cut this one. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, this is a tough business, and I don't like to work for free. So yeah, exactly. you know, I, I don't like yeah. to pay to work. Exactly. In some, in some cases, yeah. it's becoming like that. So yeah. I agree. 
here's what I recommend. You take your total margin that your company produces across all properties and then divide that by the unit count. And you, you'll, it'll tell you your margin per property yeah. that you get. And then you'll see the actual margin of those lower and you'll realize that you're losing money mm-hmm. on those. Um, so relative to your cost structure. So yeah. you've got to you know, compare it against that. So. Great. Hey, I hope you guys are enjoying this episode. And I wanted to drop in quickly to let you know that our partners at Jetstream have some of the best in class technology that sits at the heart of the guest experience with a focus on generating revenue for your property assets. With their platform, your property gets the best in class tech and integrations to remote access, guest screening, booking protection, and payment processing. Better yet, their team does all of the hard work of 24 7 guest communication and content creation. So go ahead, click the link in the show notes so you can jump on board today and take advantage of their professional hospitality team. Now, we're back to the episode. Well, back to, yeah, enough about me. Uh, well, for better talent, so you guys aren't like, you're not like a LinkedIn or Indeed. Um, that's What's that? You're we're not like a LinkedIn or no, Indeed. No, we're not. Yeah, so yeah, I just want, for the listeners that are listening, can we go into when you, so company A hires you guys. To fill in roles, mm-hmm. um, what what does this process look like in order to streamline it? But then also, like you're saying, because you're you're analyzing people with data, like you you have mm-hmm. data mm-hmm. Um, points that are probably pretty critical. So what what does it look like from the company standpoint? Then to the like the uh, let's say the applicants. Certainly, um, yeah. yeah. So um, I when I got into recruiting and I was doing some exact search and I was just using the traditional model and I'm a big model. Person, I like to look at models and see where they might be broken and why there might where there might be a better way. I did not like paying for recruiters when I was a VRM because it was really expenses, twenty to thirty percent of the annual salary. Um, and you know, for maybe a big GM's role, I could see that, but for most roles, you're not going to pay that, right? No. And so most VRMs don't even use recruiters uh, because of that. And so I. I did not want to be that, um, quite frankly. We did some of it and do some exec search today even just because some require it. But um, uh, I, it's not very scalable, uh, and it wouldn't help the industry all that much. So so we decided to come up with a different model. And so how we work today is uh, a client will submit a job requisition um, with us, and then they, it's basically they're just putting a job description in there. We then optimize that job description into an ad. A lot of companies will just put up a job description yeah. as opposed to an ad. Yeah. Um, we really um, kind of tell advise companies to sell their company first. Why I would want to work at your company, what the culture's like, all those components. Um, because frankly, people, you know, yeah, they want to know what they're going to do and how much they're going to get paid, but they really want to know about the company and the culture and who they're going to work for. Yeah. It's a stable company. Or are they a good company? Are they good people? Are they doing good things? And so really having a good value proposition um, there is really critical. Secondarily to that, we have part of the description that is really keyword embedded to attract the talent that you're looking for based on that behavioral profile. So if we're looking for a super social person, we want to make sure that the keywords in there and the description is attracts that type of individual, okay. like the methodical, detailed yeah. part. If we wanted that, we're gonna we're gonna say things that you and I would read and go, I don't want that job. Yeah, um, but that person will. So it's um, it's kind of like this is an old term, but keyword stuffing used to stuff a website full of keywords for organic search. And that still happens to some degree, but. 
Um, so, you know, that that's what we're doing with that part of the job ad. And then it's just the description, benefits, and how much you're going to get paid. Yeah. Um, so that's an optimized, and we call it a third, a third, a third, you know, three parts of that job description. We optimize it. We then uh, meet with the client, and we go through it, you know, make sure that we've got the right behavioral target set because we set that on their behalf. We make sure that we have the right cognitive target set, and we tell this them why. This is per job description. What's that? This is per job. Per job. Per, Every okay. time yeah. you submit a job rec with us. Um, and then once it's approved by the client, we go to market, and we source everywhere. So we use multiple different AI sourcing platforms. We do yeah. post on Indeed and yeah. LinkedIn. We build a whole social media campaign around it that's geo-targeted if it's, a, if it's a, not a remote position. We demo target. Uh, so a whole range of, of marketing things happen in the background. And we have a sourcing team and we have a mining team. And the sourcing team is doing outbound research or outbound search to people that are passive applicants. Because when you just post on Indeed, you're yeah. getting active applicants. Yeah. But a lot of times the best people aren't looking for a job. Uh, <laughs> you know, They might not be in a job that they love and they're thinking about it. So we reach out to them and let them know about the opportunity. Um, we're not the call you at lunch kind of recruiter. Um, so we don't do that. We don't bug people. But we definitely let people know in an aggressive manner that this yeah. job is available um, and then they, once they apply they go through our our kind of whole filter so the first thing they do once they apply is they they do the behavioral profile it takes five minutes so we do okay. the top of funnel so at the very top everybody takes it um, because it takes five minutes they're willing to do it a lot of if you look at some of the other um, tests that are out there personality tests are good but they take a half hour well yeah. applicants are not going to spend a half hour you know to apply for a job for a potential job a potential job right yeah um, they might do it later down the, the funnel, but not top. That's yeah. for sure. So we do that first. Um, and then the next thing we do is we have them do a video, kind of an interview. It's just a couple questions that give us a really good feel for that individual because I, tell, I can't tell you how many times, and I know listeners, will, if they're hiring, um, have had this happen too. You sit down at the table to interview, and you're two minutes into the interview, and you realize you don't want to hire the person. 100%. And because you're a nice person, you just stay there and keep asking them questions, and you're really wasting their time and your time, and yeah. it's really annoying. So, yeah. um, you know, they had to get dressed up and come there, and they're the wrong fit, right? And so I, I hated doing that to people, and I didn't like it for me. And so this video um, interview component really gives you a good feel for that individual for the most part, that takes that piece out of it. Um, you still have to obviously interview them next. Um, yeah. And so the next thing we do um, is hand them off to a client. We have sent them the cognitive test, but we do it pretty quickly. We send, we go ahead and send them to the client and do the cognitive test. Tell the, the client, like, hey, this is an 80% good fit. Or exactly. Is, okay. yeah. And we'll show them the match score relative to the dot target we set from a behavioral perspective. They'll have their resume. They'll have okay. their application all in the video. And so, you know, it's... For clients that hire, um, they you know have done it without us. They never want to do it again because it's yeah. you know the whole screening process is it's just a lot. There's a lot of work going through resumes. So our team does all that for them. We also handle all the applicant communication. So okay. you know if you're a short-term rental manager, I mean you don't have time to be communicating with people asking you questions about you know a job that they could just read on the resume or right. on the job ad, but they didn't. You know. Yeah. So we handle all that and anything they have questions about the company or whatever and just try to really do a good job on behalf of the client, um, giving them a good experience from an applicant. And so we have an applicant promise that basically says this is what we're going to do for the applicant, making sure we're treating them respectfully, letting them know along and communicating well. Um, And so that's a really important component that we do on behalf of the client. Then when we pass off to the client, they um, if they need it, we have a structured interview guide that we provide them so okay. that they can use that um, 
to do the next interview, which is generally the that's final speci- interview. That's specifically for that job description, or is it? It for, is okay. So okay, it's cool. designed, you know, for that particular yeah. role within a short term rental. Now we know that everybody does this a different way, so yeah. there's nuances. You know, not everybody's director of housekeeping is the same, right? Because they exactly. do different things. Some people have a laundry or whatever, right? And so. We have to take that into account when we're building out the profiles and everything about this bonus and then the, obviously the interview. So then they interview them and they let us know if they hired them or not. Okay. So, and then once you hire, we let all of the other applicants know through a soft letter rejection yeah. um, that you know they didn't get the job, but we keep them in a database for future potential jobs. And we have over 50,000 people that have short-term rental experience in our database. And, wow. and so we, in a segmented fashion, reach out to people that have that experience when the job opens. Yeah. So, um, so it's, it's a pretty uh, all-encompassing. Um, we're, we're now launching or building a software platform, so it'll have a full user interface. Okay. You can kind of build, do that right now, but um, we're still early stage on that. We'll probably launch that in the first queue of next year. So. Well, from like listening to all this, it just sounds like you're the, the Vintory of – people instead of inventory you're you're, you're the the inventory of of yeah people. yeah it's funny we were brooke and i were talking about that and you know i said i'm just doing what you're doing with people right exactly. you know, so yeah, yeah exactly yeah, that's a that's a really yeah for the listeners that maybe don't know but brooke was on the uh on the show definitely check it out but um yeah, I, so from the applicant side though i'm just kind of curious did they because you, you talked about the the what was the applicant promise yeah one? right so from their per- perspective, where what's kind of walk us through? I guess that you said there's social media ads. There's you have a database, obviously that's full mm-hmm. of people, so you probably don't need to do a ton of outreach and the outside of that fifty five thousand. But um, I, I guess walk me on the other Perfect. side of the employee. Yeah, so I mean, we do we do outreach outside of the database yeah. just simply because certain positions they don't necessarily have to have short term rental experience. Yeah. So it depends on what the client's requirements are in that respect. Um, and if they don't, uh, like for example, general managers, uh, we have a big shortage of general managers in this industry. There's just not enough of them because so many of the owners sit in that seat. Yeah. And so if you're looking for one, there's not a lot. If you're listening and you want to be uh, great and you think you're a great general manager, please call me. Um, <laughs> but but so in that case, we might go after a hotel GM yeah. and then you know, we'll just upskill them on the industry. Right? Say, really, have, you, have you seen a, a influx of hotel people into the industry I, I advocate for it because if you think about what a hotel gm or a housekeeping manager does it's really the same thing it's just frankly a little easier than what we do because they have one box with a bunch of boxes that are all the same exactly um so it's a little bit different scenario but they are hospitality providers they're professional they're structured yeah. um they know how to you know re- set guest expectations, lead people, do all the things that you need to do in this industry. They just need to understand the industry. Yeah. Um, some people are more challenged than others converting. Um, some people love it. I, I hired a like general the, manager from my company that was a 30-year veteran of the hotel okay. industry. He was amazing. Okay. Um, so, you know, I, I recommend it um, if we can't find somebody in the industry. I think if you can find somebody in the industry, it's, it's usually a better scenario than hotels. But if we can't, it's a good second choice, I can tell you that. Do the people that have a harder time, well, your GM didn't have this issue, but do the people that have a harder time converting over to VR, uh, is it usually the 20-year veterans, or is it uh, just people maybe that aren't super tech-savvy and understanding of like certain systems and operations? 
Yeah, I think where where it's most challenging and it's a behavioral profile thing. Okay. Some people like um, structure. The hotel industry yeah. has a ton of structure. Our industry has very little, yes. <laughs> right? And they're structured management companies for sure, and, and well well run. But relative to their SOPs and all the things yeah. that they have that have, have been developed for the past seventy, eighty years, we are a baby. Okay, yeah, and so. Um, so that part of it is challenging for people that that really have a need for structure. But the good news is, is we can see it in their behavioral profile. So when we go hire GMs, we're looking for ones that don't have that construct. Gotcha. Um, and, and that way they can, and mine didn't, for example. He was a much more flexible individual, yeah. and so he was able to make the jump. The other thing that I do is we advise them on how to coach them into the industry. Okay. Um, I've even consulted on that, but... You know, I tell the hotel GMs, they go, if you have 100 property management or 100 properties under management, you have 100 hotels. Yeah. Because you have individual owners. Yeah. Each hotel or each house is set up a little bit differently or condo or whatever. And, and their costs and, are very different. Yeah. I, I uh, you know, I, I made the joke, and you won't even know what this is, but a CRT television, you know, back in the day, we had those big TVs that weren't flat panels, believe it or not. That's how long I've been in. In, in the hotel industry, when you want to shift something like that to the new thing, you just do it. You know, yeah. All at once, we can't do that in this industry. We've got to get owner permission. So those kind, those are the kinds of things that are challenging for GMs who are used to, okay, we're having bed wars now. We're going to replace it with all heavenly beds. you know. Yeah. And so we don't get to do that. Yeah, either, so. that's true. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even think about that stuff. Um, so now with the, I guess, current like shift of – like we all know, vacation rentals are recovering more than hotels have, and you know, obviously a lot faster. Um, but do you think we're going to see the hybrid kind of happen more, where it's like a vacation rental hybrid hotel uh, type style of inventory, but then uh, the employees are more, or the staff is, in general is going to become, you know, they're from like tech startups are going to be coming from. Uh, they're going to be, I don't know. There's, I just see this kind of shift happening from the traditional vacation rental home. Single family, or you know, I won't say multifamily much. Because I feel like it's a newer um, trend of inventory. Mm-hmm. But um, do you think we're going to see that merge from, uh, I guess, the, the inventory side, but then also the, the way that staffing is? Is they're going to be very remote? They're going to have you know a few on the ground boots, and that's that's about it. If you think about this hotel that we're sitting in, this is a convention hotel. But if you just think about a traditional. 150 room, yeah. you know, Holiday Inn Express. Okay, there's a general manager there. There's a front desk manager. There's housekeeping manager, and there's a maintenance manager. They call them engineers, and um, so that's pretty much it in the hotel. Um, I, was a, I was a hotel front desk. Exactly. So you yeah, know it so. well. So marketing, accounting, reservations, all that is centralized services, right? And so, which makes a lot of sense. It's a good model. Um, I did it in my management company when I had multiple locations. Yeah. So we had everybody in Orlando, but we had San Diego, Captiva. And, yeah. and so, you know, those those things that have to be done were there, uh, boots on the ground. It was really just guest services. Um, it really was a, a small part of guest services. When you were staying with us in San Diego and you had a problem, you called Orlando, but you didn't know it. Yeah. You didn't care. Yeah. You just wanted somebody to take care of it, yeah. right? So. So I think that we're going to see more and more of that where we have centralization um, of those or, or, you know, they're remote. And that's going to help us massively as an industry um, from a hiring perspective. So I think that that'll, you know, be the trend. It already is the trend. Um, Some companies, um, and I won't call them old people like me, but um, they just don't want to move off, 
you know, having all everybody under the roof because they, they feel like they can't um, trust them to do the job. I was just going to ask. So, you know, and that's that's a challenge. And there's a lot of great tech to, to help facilitate that, you know, tra- the tracking of what somebody's doing. Um, you know, you try not to be super intrusive, obviously, but within reason, um, you do need to do those things. But quite frankly, when I had everybody under my roof, mm-hmm. I didn't know what they were doing all the time. I had 100 people, right? How, yeah. you know, what, what are you going to watch them all day? So, um, and I'm sure I had people goofing off just like they could at home right but at the end of the day if you have good kpis and you have a good structure on what somebody's going to do and the outcomes that you need from them it doesn't matter where they're at Um, but there are some people that are challenged with that thinking that's for sure well yeah that was my next question is uh, remote work here to stay is that like a do you think people are going to really shift back into open offices and and going that way or is it I, I think this, you know, and I, I wish COVID never happened, obviously, but yeah. um, from that, that, again, the good stuff that came out of it um, was, I think that this tectonic shift just happened that was going to happen anyway, it was yeah. already happening, but it just accelerated like never before. Yeah. And yeah, um, a lot of people are going to go back, but a lot of people aren't. And they just don't want to do it, right? Because they realize that working from home is better. Yeah. I do it. Yeah. My whole team, by the way, is remote. We don't yeah. have an office, and we're always going to be like that, probably. So, um, well, it's like you're saving so much money on expenses. You don't have to pay a lease. You don't have to buy a building. You don't have to do anything. I, I used like, to have over twenty thousand square feet of lease space. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. I can tens of thousands of dollars per month, and <laughs> and I don't have any of that, and I and I don't plan to. Right, no. so because um, it just saves a lot of expense. Um, the, the biggest challenge I see from it, obviously, is a culture component, and oh, you yeah. just don't have that. So you take some of the savings, and you have a lot of off-sites, right? And yeah. You bring people in for quarterlies. Hey, by the way, we have these really cool things called vacation rentals that yeah. we can stay in. And, yeah. you know, you know it, it really – and it's a good move culturally um, sure. to do that inside of, of a big property. And so I see that happening. Um, we actually facilitate off-sites um, for some of our clients as okay. well. And, cool. and so it's just a – it's a great way to, to build that culture, even though you're remote. So. Yeah, I love that. Well, uh, everyone knows on the podcast, I give all of our guests the opportunity to uh, give them the best way to contact you, to find you, where to learn more. Uh, so what's the number one or two places to go? I know LinkedIn, for yeah, sure, yeah, but right. let's say I know you got a website. Yeah, too. please, um, if you're interested at all, um, do follow me on LinkedIn. Um, I, I post there regularly. Um, my email address is steve at bettertalent.com. So that's obviously my website, bettertalent.com. That's the two best places to reach me, uh, for sure. Um, I did want to mention, uh, you know, I know this is not a full sales pitch, yeah, but... No, uh, um, because of the cost structure, because a lot of people think recruiter and think, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Yeah. Um, our first hire and onboarding is thirty nine ninety five, about four thousand dollars, and then every hire thereafter is nineteen ninety five. Um, Sherm, which is kind of the association of HR, says that it costs companies an average of four thousand dollars to hire hire people themselves, just the time yeah. and the effort that you put out. So we're actually cheaper than you can do it yourself. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there as no, well. Definitely. So. Well, yeah, that's another question. Of course, everyone's probably gotten going through their mind and how much how much does this stuff like, cost? Oh, right? Recruiters are all so expensive. Yeah, I say uh, I don't like recruiters, and yeah. they don't like me. <laughs> I was gonna say you're not. I don't see you guys as a recruiter. It just sounds like you you have the the tech in place to really kind of offload that salesman type feeling I get from recruiters. I, they feel very. They feel slimy. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I'm trying not to get that feel, to give that feel to people here at the conference. But, you know, 
walking around just talking to everybody. But sure. um, yeah, no, I, I we're a hiring platform. Is how yeah, I describe it. I like that. Well, you heard it here first. Slick talkers, go ahead, check out everything in the show notes, and make sure you like, subscribe, and follow along with Steve and what they're doing at Better Talent. Thank you so much for listening. We love your support and want to provide the best we can to all our listeners. So please find us online, social media, and on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Google Podcast. Smart locks, smart thermostats, automation, and a solution for any hotel and vacation rental company. Our show partners at Operto are the leading solution for operators to enhance their operations by integrating with your property management software and making sure that all your smart devices create a contactless guest experience while streamlining your operations. So don't forget to check them out on their website, send me a message, or just let them know that we'll send you and you are in good hands. So get ready to enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast and check out operto.com or go to the podcast website and see our partners page. What's up, everybody? If you've gotten this far into the episode of Slick Talk, the hospitality podcast, then you are amazing. And thank you so much for tuning in. We want to send you two places really quickly. If you can, check out the show notes and click the hospitality.fm link. Check out all of our other shows on the podcast network. And don't forget, if you have someone that you want to hear on the podcast, then fill out the guest fill out form so that way we can get them on the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy another episode of Slick Talk, the Hospitality Podcast.